Spirit of God, the presence of God saturates everything. And we've been practicing and learning to become aware, become awake, more aware, more awake, and how you move in that presence that is here. You know, the presence of God is here. And um, when you go home, the presence of God is there. And on your way, the presence of God is there. The only question is your awakeness to it, right? So we've been doing that, and it gets you a little wound up, doesn't it? (laughs) Loved that. That was such, that was so good. That was good for me. Did y'all worship? Actually, I know the answer. This place was full of it. Y'all are full of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I'm still teaching in warfare. Um, We're still talking about the war that's going on, a war between two contrary kingdoms, right? A kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. A kingdom of our king and a kingdom of, of fallen power. And, um, and, and I'll tell you, it has surprised me how we've been walking down this journey. I was fully expecting to be teaching about principalities and powers and, and truthfully all kinds of boring stuff compared to what we've been doing. Because competence is important, and that's the road. You know, there is such a thing as spiritual competence, and that was the road I planned on going down, and then, and then I'm just... It, And I believe, I don't know how you believe, but I believe the Spirit's been leading me down a road of talking about power and authority because that's warfare, right? Well, um, this morning, um, this morning the Lord asked me to make, I believe he asked me to make what was going to be our introduction for the message, the entire message, and he just rearranged. So I think what we were, mo- a lot of what we were going to do is going to be next week, and we're going to be stuck, I think, in the introduction the whole time, because the Lord was just kept saying the introduction is it, the the introduction is it's it, it's it's winning the war, and then the the other competence stuff is important too. So we're going to be doing some theology stuff. Go ahead and do it. Go. <laughs> But um, what I want to tell you is that, so if you're, if you're a give me something practical I can do today kind of person, um, come back next week. <laughs> but hopefully this can be good too. Because this, this is really the stuff, what he started to show me is if you don't have this, you can try all day long to walk in the power, walk in the practical stuff, and, and it's just not going to be there for you. Because... It starts here, okay? It's, it starts in what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about your identity. Now, if you're with me, you're probably going, oh, he's going to talk about identity again. <laughs> and I think somewhere along the line, I learned that the war years ago, um, I spent most of my life, even in ministry, during many of the years, not knowing that everything is about his identity and what that says about mine. And once you, once you got that, um, you've already won the war. Now you just have to walk in the power of it, right? So we'll, so we are talking about power. Go ahead and say this with me. This morning, we are talking about power. Even though I'm rarely going to say the word, I'm, we're rarely going to even touch on the word. Warfare and having the power that you're supposed to have in it is what we're talking about. Okay. Um, and I'm going to start, start in Mark um, chapter 10 and verse 15. Go with me there. We're going to start talking about children. 
That's what I forgot. Father, bless our children (laughs) in the authority of your name. It's a kingdom verse. So warfare is about kingdoms, right? There would be no warfare if there wasn't a kingdom contrary to his. Is that right? Okay, so here we're reading the kingdom stuff. And in, um, Jesus speaking says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. So how do we receive the kingdom? As a little child, right? What, what does that mean? I know you all have thought about this before, but let's just put it back out there. What does that mean? How does a child receive it? Um, a father comes and says, says, son or daughter, I have something for you. And, and a child goes, okay, right? Receive it as a child. It could even be something. So at a certain age, um, the father could come and say, um, I have a flying pig for you. Something really impossible, hard to believe, and a child would go, okay, right? So how do we receive the kingdom as a child like that? Okay, now I want to read another one. Now skip over. We're going to run through some stuff. Go to Matthew 11 and verse 11. 11, 11. And it starts and says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What does that mean? Why? Because John the Baptist didn't have the kingdom. The spirit had not yet come. The work of Christ was not finished. Um, and so he didn't have the kingdom of God within. Right? And what's the word of God say? Where's the kingdom? It's not something where you're going to go, oh, there it is, I see it. Some physical thing, the kingdom of God's within, right? And we stand in a, in a very privileged seat in the scope of history where the kingdom of God, the work of Christ is finished, the kingdom of God is in you. So what did that verse just say? It just said, up until John the Baptist, nobody had ever been that great in the revelation of Jesus. And then it says, but you are greater. You got it? Now we're starting to talk about you. We're starting to talk about your identity. You're greater. Why? The kingdom of God's in you. The presence of God, the Holy Spirit's given, and it's yours. It's now your identity, and we're going to walk into that. You know, just say that. Say, I'm, what I have, say this with me, what I have is greater than John, what John the Baptist had. That's true. It says it right here. Verse 12 says, now here it is. Now, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Now we're talking about warfare, right? Why does it suffer violence? Because there's a kingdom against it. There's a war going on, okay? And it goes on and says, and the violent take it by force. So now stop with me for a second. Which is it? (laughs) Do we receive the kingdom like a child? Or do we take it by force? Which is it? It's both. You're right. But And I want to show you. I've seen these verses compared before by other teachers. And I don't mean to talk against what they said. I just want to show you an insight I have. The words really are different. Now now walk with me here. This, This is what we're to see. Um, there is receiving the kingdom. And what does the word of God say? Freely you've received, so what? 
freely give. You guys got it. That's awesome. And so that's, so freely we receive. Like a child, we receive it. And notice in that verse, it says, um, if not that way, then you'll by no means what? Enter it, right? Enter it. So it's a receiving, it's an entry into things. And let me just say, I don't think there's a one-time receiving the Hebrews would not have believed. They don't think of salvation like, like well, this, this moment happened, so you got it. That's Salvation to them was um, being saved, redeemed, and established. It's the whole ball of wax, and it was an ongoing work of God. They would have thought of it that way. And I think Jesus, um, Jesus was Jew, is Jewish. You remember that, right? So he would have been thinking of it that way even when he said these words. When he says receiving the kingdom, he means receiving it and receiving it and receiving it. And so it is in the intimate place. It's in the secret place like we've talked about in recent weeks with Jesus that it's received. What you have to freely give is freely received in intimacy with Jesus, and we're receiving, and we're receiving, and we're receiving. Um, I'm never going to stop receiving. How about you? Okay, so it's a receiving, it's an entry thing. The next verse is talking about something else. And actually, to, to do this, I want to look at the same verse in the NIV. And that's eleven Matthew eleven twelve. okay? And it says, From the days of John the Baptist until now... The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. Now, those, those verbs in the original are literally meaning um, ongoing. Has been, is, is still happening. It's advancing. So what's the kingdom doing? It's advancing. Now, notice that this scripture is, is not talking about receiving or entry. This is talking about advancing something. And how's that done? It goes on. It says, and forceful men or Men who, who have a violence in the warfare are the ones who lay hold of it, are the ones who advance it. So we're receiving in the intimate place, and then we're, we're listen, we're taking what we're receiving <laughs> at Jesus' feet in the stillness of the Holy Spirit, in the voice of what he's giving that we receive like a child. Impossible crazy things he's he wants to give you in the intimate place and he wants us to have the face in the impossibility of it in the in the lavish ridiculousness of the things that god wants to give you because he loves you like that we take it like a child we go okay (laughs) and then we forcefully we violently take it and advance the kingdom that's a certain kind of faith that um, over the next few weeks, I think we're going to be talking about like what, what that looks like. We are going to get into the practical stuff. It's just the Lord kind of quickened me this morning and said, you're not going to do all that this morning. And so, you got it? <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you know, um, okay. Do you know um, the Lord honors? That's a crazy thought right there. Do you know that? That's a crazy thought. But you know that any good father honors. Can you imagine like the way I am with, with my son? I, I honor his identity. If I'm a good father, I am, ever, I am ever allowing him to walk into his identity. Okay? So in other words, I'm, a, I'm making... 
I am participating with God into making him into someone who makes his own right choices. And you know, almost, almost everything in life, God is so honoring that he's made it a choice for us. You know this, right? Um, but here's what I want to say. Do you know there's one thing you don't get to choose? And there, there might be more than one thing, but at least one thing. You don't get to choose it. Do you know what it is? <laughs> I don't even want to know who said that. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Family. We don't not even not even family of God, huh? <laughs> let's go don't don't let's don't do that road. Um, <laughs> as true as it is, whoever <laughs> That's good. Um, the other one, I'm just going to put it out there. I don't think we should keep doing that. Uh, <laughs> the other one is your calling. Vocation. Yeah, calling. The things, that's it. The things that God speaks over us. You know, you don't choose that. And you don't get to change it. Do you know you don't get to change it? Even if you stink at it. I'm serious. I don't even, that's kind of funny. I'm glad you chuckled, but I don't mean that as funny. Do you know that that you should fully expect that, um, that we stink at our calling when we first start walking in it? (laughs) <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. In fact, you know, the enemy, we're talking about warfare. The enemy is very strategic. Do you know, you've probably heard me say this in here before, but do you know that the most powerful parts of your calling are probably the things that you think you stink at most? Why? Because you have a very strategic enemy, and there's a particular warfare against that. <laughs> It's the gospel. (laughs) Do you know that? Moses didn't think he could speak well. But what was his calling? (laughs) You got it? And you you can track that track record all through the word of God. The things that are most attacked. The things, do you know your spiritual gifts? Um, Let's don't do that. Let's don't do that now. Okay. Um, do this with me. Go to 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we're going somewhere. <laughs> GPS just got pulled up. The Holy Spirit GPS. Okay, now you've, you know that this is one of my favorites. You, I've, I bring this. God's used this verse in my life so powerfully. I just came. So you get it. You're welcome. And um, it's 2 Corinthians 3.18, okay? But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. How, How is that? How are we beholding? As in a mirror. Now, now think of that about that for a minute. It's saying we're beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord, or the vehicle is the Spirit of the Lord, okay? So, so look, now here's what I want to tell you. How many of you have found out that what you got is pretty dim? <laughs> just me? It's the chuckles or agreements, right? Okay, that's good. I don't want to feel lonely up here. Um, do you know that the, the day that you're born, you, you do actually have a glory, 
from the day that you're born. Just the fact that you breathe and you're alive. Now, now granted, that's the Lord's glory too. Um, I mean, you would, that wouldn't even happen, right? Without God's plan, God's, God's speaking you into existence. But let's take that for a minute. You know, there are some things you could set off and do. You do actually have a glory of your own. So like, for example, I could today, I, I'm very good at designing and building decks and love to do it. Now, obviously, I'm just going to say this again, that's God's glory too, but for the most part, I can go off in my own strength and build a deck. And um, oftentimes we even do that, I think, um, we do that kind of thing in the ministry of our lives, right? We can go off and we can do stuff. We have some glory, don't we? God's already just endowed you with a certain life force of glory. This scripture says that he's moving you from glory to glory. You got it? So, so in other words, what's it saying? It's saying you're moving into glories that you don't have. Glories that are beyond your own. Has anybody, I've gotten so fed up with my own glory. I've just reached a point in my life I realize how dim my own glory actually is. <laughs> how useless. Jesus himself... Jesus, very God, Son of God, very God, Jesus is eternal God. He said of himself, I can do nothing um, apart from my Father. So if that was true of him when he laid it all down and became man, us too, right? So can do nothing. What's he saying? Could he literally do nothing? He could do, he could do some. I mean, he wasn't saying he couldn't walk across the street. He could do that. What's he talking about? He's saying things of significance, things that mean anything, kingdom things. He could do nothing apart from his father, and that was God himself walking as a man. So, so how is this possible? Somehow, and this is what we're going to talk about, I think, for a couple of weeks. How is it possible that we go from where we're at into weights of God's glory? In other words, things that are beyond us, things you're not capable of things you don't currently have. It's God's plan to walk you to, to have them, to have heavier weights of glory of what's going on in the kingdom of God and to walk in the authority and power of them. Is that exciting? That's his plan. But now how does that happen? That's an impossible thing, I just said. How do you step into something that you don't currently have? We're going to be... Um, talking about that. To start, I just want to go back to um, Luke chapter 9. These are scriptures we've looked at, I think, the last three or four times that I've spoke, we've done these. Um, but Luke chapter 9, starting right in verse 1. Okay, this is Jesus sending the 12, and this is how he does it. It says, Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons. Now, we've done this week after week. You understand the difference between power and authority? You all got it now? Yeah? Are we good? We can just move? Okay. Two different things, authority and power. Power and authority over all demons. What is that? Okay, it's obviously focused on beings. It says over all demons. But what's that really telling us? It's power over, over the power carriers of another kingdom right? Of the contrary kingdom. That's how he sends them. And to cure disease. 
You, you recognize disease as something of darkness. There, there is no disease in the, in the kingdom of light, in Jesus' kingdom. There's no disease in it. You, you got that? So it's things of another kingdom. And he sent them to, what, preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That's how he sent them. Now, I'm going to show you this pattern. Um, do you understand that's your call? Say, that's my call. <laughs> and just in case we have someone who's kind of going, is it really my call? That was when Jesus sent the 12. And, you know, he uses, we're not going to read it for time's sake, but when he sent the 72, it, it's identical. I mean, nearly identical. It's the same words. It's the same calling. But how do we know that that's your call? Weren't they special people? I mean, these 12 that walked with him, they, he loved them more, right? Or he had bigger plans for them than he has for you, right? No, and we can prove it. Go to um, Mark 16 and verse 14. And I just, I have to lay this as a foundation. I'm going to show you this pattern because it's going to walk us where we're going. And where we're going is good. I know because I know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Sixteen fourteen. Um, later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he'd risen. I'm going to move on so I don't rabbit trail. Verse 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world, and what? And preach the gospel to every creature. That's the, it's, for Jesus, it's always the gospel of the kingdom. Okay, it's actually not the gospel of salvation. It's uh, that's that's certainly the entry. That's the that is the receiving part. But it's the gospel of a kingdom, right? A kingdom that's that's winning, that is forcefully advancing. Okay, how do we know that? Because we can just keep reading. Uh, preach the gospel to every creature, and it goes and says, "He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned." Now, now here it is. Now, this is him speaking to you. This isn't a recording of a narrative of him speaking to the 12. This isn't a recording of him speaking to the 72. This is what we call the Great Commission. That's what he would call my always commission, right? Always been my commission, always will be my commission. Now he's saying it to you. And he says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Okay, this is for you. In my name, they'll cast out demons. Yes, you are authorized to be over the kingdom of darkness. Now, you're going to see some new things, but I want you to at least note that the things you saw previously are also here, identical. And some of the new things, they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues. No, we're not going into the doctrine of tongues this morning. <laughs> in verse 18, it says, they'll take up serpents. Okay, in other words, they'll ha you'll have authority over serpents, okay, over the things of the, of the kingdom of darkness. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And now listen, and they will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Do you see it's the same? It's the same when he sent the 12. There are some things added, and we could teach about that, but we're not, maybe another time. That's good stuff, too, why there's stuff added. But um, skip, let's go here. Now, here it is. Y'all, are, are we doing okay? Yes. Y'all getting it? Okay. 
Um, go to Luke chapter 5, and now we're going to get into it here. Okay, chapter 5, verse 36. Okay, I know that you're all familiar with this one, or most of you at least, so you'll, you'll know this. Um, this is the new wineskin thing. And this is warfare, okay? Good to say that. We're still talking about warfare. Go ahead and say that. Okay, good. Because if, if and it's going to be evident as we read on, but I want that to be, I want you to realize that as we begin the passage, Okay. Verse 36, then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts um, a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. That's so loaded we could have just talked about that sentence all morning. But I just want to point out a couple of things. Um, in fact, I'm going to ask you, since you've probably seen this before, will you look at this for the first time again with me? Can we do that? Okay. The first thing I want you to see is he's not in the business of patching things up. <laughs> I think we think that way. Do you know wrong thinking will make us lose the war? He is not patching you up. He's not like, oh, you poor little darling. And um, I've got a patch for that. I can help. He's not in that business, and we're going to get a real handle on that this morning. Why? If you, do you know, we've said this before here, he does not fill the old man with the Holy Spirit. You got it? It's, what does the, the good news of the kingdom say? The good news is, is that the old man is dead. It is no more. The old man was put on the cross with Jesus, and, and the kingdom has nothing in the old man. He never promised to fill your old junk, your old self, your old wounds, uh, put anything dark on, attach it to the word old, and he has no interest in it. And I'm going to show you that. He is not in the business of patching up your old self that's not even you anymore. And it's right there in the text. It's at why? It doesn't match. It's like when Jesus says, darkness has nothing in me. You remember he says that? Darkness has nothing in me. Um, just, just patching up something that's made of darkness is not what he's in the business of doing. <laughs> All right, let's read on um, verse 37. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Well, there it is. There it's stated, and there's the warfare. He does not pour his spirit into the old wineskin. And thank God, what does the gospel say? Um, the gospel says that you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. And this is what we've got to correct, so give me a second. Okay, let's do this. Mm. Let's do this, Okay. The word of God says that we started completely dead, right? Now, this is just correct thinking. I'm going to give correct thinking, okay? So let's just um, make that, that's a pile of poop, okay? He does not, he doesn't work there. Now, listen to me. Some of you are going, wait, wait a second, but just, just walk with me, okay? He does not, he does not work 
in the dung. <laughs> he has no interest in it. What does he do? He says, he says, yes, you were a pile of dung, and I make something new. A completely new creature is what the word of God says. A completely new identity that is formed. You must be what? Born again. You, it's, a, it's a brand new birth of a brand new creature. It's not that he is working on the old man. This is so important to get this. It really, I understand that this might be brand new thinking for some, but it's so important to get this. We say, thing, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, not exactly true. You were a sinner saved by grace. Now you're a new creation, a vessel that is designed and fitted for the, for the input of the Holy Spirit, and the new man is designed for the things of the kingdom. The old man never will be. And he's not, he's not interested in working on the old man. And I'm, I'm going to prove this. Um, I'm going to make sure I don't run out of time so I can show you this in the Word of God so it's, because it's so important. The wrong thinking will shut down the power of God in your calling and in the progress of your growth. If you're walking around thinking that, um, well, boy, I am wretched, and, and God is so good that he's, he's able to bring my wretchedness into something, you're not thinking like God thinks over you. I mean, you're truly not. It's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says you're a new creation. You already stand perfect before the throne of God. If you didn't, you couldn't approach the throne of God with boldness. In fact, you couldn't do it with meekness or patheticness. <laughs> Only perfect. In the work of Christ, do you even approach the throne of grace? You got it? It's two totally different ways. Am I doing okay? It is two totally different ways of thinking. One's true and one's not. Now we're going to talk about, I know you still got stuff, you still got stuff. So some of you are sitting there, your brain's smoking and you're going, yeah, but what about the fact that I'm so darn imperfect? <laughs> I got it. So it's like this. You're a brand new creation, but in the process, a little bit of the poop is still kind of sticking on you. And we're going to talk about that. It's the, you're a completely new creation, and you've got to get that. Every once in a while, you just have to flick the poop off your elbow. That's, that's better theological thinking than we mostly do. <laughs> Never mind. Right? It's, it's better thinking than we normally do. We think he's trying to, like, to patch up. Well, the Word of God just said, I'm not interested in patching you up. <laughs> I, don't even I don't even work with the old man. Darkness has nothing in me. The old man is of the darkness, and there's, I have nothing to do with that. What I have to do with is the new creation I made, and I pour my spirit in it. <laughs> Or what? Okay. All right. And so uh, verse 37, let's start there again. And no one puts new wine into old wine skins, or else the new wine will burst the wine skins and be spilled, and the wine skins will be ruined. Well, there's the evidence. Does he want you to be ruined? No. He does want the old man to be completely crucified on the cross of Christ and have, no, and have nothing in you anymore. He wants that. 
He says, um, but new, new wine must be put into to new wine skins and both are preserved. Now listen, verse 39, and no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new. For he says the old is better. Now listen, this is where we're going. This is why I knew I couldn't fit it all in one morning. Do you know what that just said? That just said that um, we actually have a preference for the old. It, it said that, Jesus' words. Why? You're far more acquainted with the old man. <laughs> okay? The old man served you in ways. When you were um, battered and beaten and wounded, starting in childhood and going on, going on in your life, the, the things that come against you, the things of the warfare, we develop mechanisms. And, and they do serve. Let me see. I, I figured I might need a note for this. Let me see. Okay, do you know that, um, so the old man, actually, let me do this instead. Let me give you an example. Do you know the old man, and I think this is true for all of us. Some of you may be like far better than me or something, but the old man is very concerned with defending self. <laughs> you got it? But do you know that that has nothing in Jesus? Um, Jesus, um, Jesus didn't defend himself. Do you remember that? You never see him do that. Why? He had no old man. Darkness had nothing in him. And his goal is to bring you to a glory where darkness has nothing in you. So wouldn't it be freeing if you never felt like you had to defend yourself ever again? Well, good, because the old man, it's, it's a thing of the old man that Jesus has nothing in. Now, believe me, I'm, I'm totally aware that it would require tremendous healing, sometimes, sometimes bondage breaking, sometimes removal of the demonic voice that makes us think, I have to defend myself. Well, the new man is only concerned about Jesus' reputation. <laughs> you got it? That's just one example, okay, of, of old man, new man. But do you see the difference? One person, one person thinks... Um, I am still the old man, but it's okay. Jesus is changing and transforming me. And it's actually not correct thinking. You are a new creation. You are a new creation. You got some old stuff that the, the voice of the enemy wants you to think that this old man stuff is you. But the word of God says it's not you. In fact, um, I'm just going to jump. Um, I feel this. Just go with me to Romans chapter 7 and verse 14. And if you're swimming around a little bit and you're going, man, what is he talking about? I think this is going to do it. And my prayer is, Father, that our, our thinking will change forever. This is Paul. This passage um, actually gave me more trouble than... than almost any other passage where I, I've read it in the past. I just didn't have eyes to see it um, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And I see it now. And you know this passage. This is Paul going, oh, I can't do what I want to do and I want to do what I don't want to do. And you're reading and you go, huh? And I, I'm thinking, I know something's here, but I couldn't get it. Now look at this. Um, did I give you the past 714? Okay. It says, um, we know that the law is spiritual. Leave it alone, Paul. We'll just leave that alone. <laughs> no, we won't. So, 
So you understand that, that the new man is spirit, right? The new man is spirit. The law is spiritual. It works at the spirit, your spirit, soul, and body, right? The word of God's very clear about that. The law is spiritual. But I'm unspiritual. So this is Paul talking about himself. Sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Now here it is, verse 17, listen to this. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. How can we do this? Because this is it. This is the spot. So, so pay attention here. It's like, imagine if I, um, if I busted my son doing something. We'll just go ahead and let it be sin. He's done something sinful, something he's not supposed to do. And I'm coming up, and he knows that, I mean, he knows he's in trouble now, right? I'm coming up, and I'm, I'm coming up, and I'm ready to, son, you know, we're going to have a correction here. And he stops me, and he goes, oh, no, dad, dad, it's okay. <laughs> and then, you know, you, can you see it? And so now I'm going, okay. And he says, it wasn't me that did it. It was sin in me. We're, we're cool. <laughs> right? If I was... If I was mad before, ooh, look at me now, right? <laughs> then I want to tell you that Paul is stating a truth here. And in fact, I'm going to show you a minute. It's so important. He says it twice. Let me read that again. This is Paul. He says, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. You see it? That's an identity statement. In other words, he, I have a new eye. It's, it's so important. There, there is an old eye that died that was crucified on the cross of Christ. And I want to tell you, it's not a statement of alleviating responsibility. In fact, it heightens responsibility. It heightens responsibility to the stewardship of the new creation that God made that is perfectly fitted for the filling of the Spirit. But Paul is declaring a statement of faith. And I get it. He's struggling. This is a struggling passage. Anybody struggle with this? Well, good. You got someone. You can never again say nobody understands me. <laughs> right? But Paul, he understands you. He's struggling like you do. But he's saying, um, I'm just going to read it again. As it is, it is no longer I. No longer I what? He's speaking the I, the new man. It's no longer I myself. It's not the new man. It's sin living in me. It needs a flick. <laughs> right? Let's, let's read on. Okay, verse 18. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good. I have the desire to do what is good. That's a miracle statement. Do you know that? If we studied this, if we spent three more hours before we left today, I could show you where that's a miracle statement. To have the desire to do what is good is new man stuff. It's new. The old man couldn't do it. Like, I mean, not at all. You, it wouldn't even, you wouldn't, the, the old man that's crucified on the cross with Christ that is no longer you <laughs> didn't have the ability 
to desire kingdom stuff. For I have the desire to do what is good, but cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now listen, now if what I now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. I'm telling you, it's so important to think rightly. It sounds like he's shirking responsibility. And I tell you, this is the foundation for moving into the really powerful practical things we're going to start doing. We've, we've got to get this. You are standing perfect before the throne of God. Otherwise, he could not put his spirit there. <laughs> we could study chapters and chapters and chapters about the temple where the glory of God was, in the Holy of Holies, and God does not share space with darkness. It wouldn't even be possible for you to be the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you are, right? The only way that's possible is that you're a new creation, and um, that stuff is not you. Do you know how important it is to recognize that the old wounds, the bad behaviors, all the stuff that you struggle with is not me? Go ahead and say it's not me. See, that you know what the lie of the enemy is? He wants you to think it's you. Why? And he can shame you. <laughs> he can make you live in guilt. Is it okay for you to live in guilt? Why? Because you're not guilty. <laughs> it's not because you didn't do things that deserve guilt, but you're not guilty because of the, the work of Christ, made a new creation that's not guilty. It's so important to think rightly. You know, if you don't think rightly, you won't, you, you won't get the measure of the Spirit. You know, he doesn't withhold. We could study that part this morning, too. He doesn't withhold his Spirit from anyone who asks for it. We don't make the space. Because we identify more with the old man than we do the truth. What's the truth? I'm not the old man. It heightens our responsibility. It doesn't alleviate it, but at least we're starting to think truthfully. <laughs> we're starting to think in accuracy with the word of God and the words of Jesus. He's not interested in patching up your old man. What's he interested in? Putting it to death, <laughs> right? He, it is, there is a brutal word here. He does very brutally want to put to death your old man. He won't do it without you. That's the hard part. That's where we're going to start moving. He won't do it without you. He does it, he does it with you. He's an honoring God. <laughs> he honors like any good father honors their child and wants to bring them into someone who can carry that weight of glory that he's, he is going to put on you. Do you know you're not going to fail? Seriously, do you know you're not going to fail? How do you know? Because he's with you and it's, it's not up to you. <laughs> he's capable. He's going to do it. We're going to start looking at that stuff. So you can't fail. Um, 
Yeah, we'll leave it at that. You can't fail. You can't fail. And Paul finishes by saying, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Is that a description of warfare or is that more like a description of warfare? <laughs> See that? This, this is the law at work. I want to do good, when, especially. Do you get an especially in that? And I know the word's not in there. I, I, I added that. That's the commentary according to little Paul. Um, when I want to do good, evil's right there. You see it? It's the warfare. <laughs> What's at war? Actually, let's, let's keep reading this. Verse 22, for in my inner being, just so you know, that's words for the spirit. This happens at the level of the spirit. So in my inner being, I delight in God's law. This is the same Paul that wrote the previous chapter. I delight. The new man delights on God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my, man, my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work in my members. Okay, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'll, st I'll start wrapping here in a minute. Chapter 4, um, verse 7. Did I give you the verse? We already heard this scripture this morning. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's describing you, just so you know what treasure that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Does it feel like we came full circle? Um, in other words, I'm, I've reached a point in my life, I'm not interested in my own glory. <laughs> I want the glory of God. My best is really stinky, like a pile of poop, okay? I'm, I'm interested in, I want God's best to be what is manifesting out of my life. And isn't that what that says? We have this treasure. What, pre what treasure? Power. Remember, we're still talking about warfare. We're still, we're still talking about power. That the excellence of the power may what? May be God and not me. You see, our belief has to scream this. Let's do this. Um, no. Thank you, Father. Let's do this. Do you know um, you do not behave badly because you lack faith? You got it? It's not, um, I, I'm sorry, let me say that again. I think I said that wrong. Bad behavior is not a lack of faith. Now track with me. Let me show you how this is. Um, in fact, let me read this so I don't turn it backwards. If I lack faith, if I lack faith, it causes me to think wrong, so therefore I have bad behavior. If I lack faith, it causes me to think wrong, and so therefore I have beha bad behavior. Are you getting it? 
you know God's not concerned about your behavior? Now, in a minute, I'm going to tell you he's deeply concerned about your behavior. <laughs> but just for a second, do you know that he doesn't give a hoot about your behavior? Why? It's taken care of, right? Jesus took care of the behavior. What's he concerned about? He's concerned about you. <laughs> he doesn't care about behavior. He, cares about, he has a deep, unchangeable, abiding love for you and his plans for you and his destiny for you because he's, he's ravished by you. He's crazy about you. What he's concerned about is you and the release of himself through the new man. He's not concerned about the, the uprisings of, of the old man and the things that, that the enemy wants us to identify with, but Paul refuses to identify with it. You see it? Paul won't even identify with his old man. He says, well, that's not me. Okay, I, f I feel like I said what I'm supposed to. So, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going um, to stop and listen for a minute. That's what I'm going to do. Will you just pray with me? Let's ask for God's plans, okay? How, how he wants us, I believe he wants us to do something with this. I don't know what it is yet. Father. Thank you for praying. I think I got it. Yeah, actually, I totally got it. <laughs> this is so good. Okay, so we're going to read this one verse, and then I have an assignment for you. We're going to read a verse we already read. Does this make you guys celebrate? Does it make your brain smoke more or celebrate more? Both? Okay. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, got it. Okay, we're going to read 2 Corinthians again, okay? 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with unveiled... By the way, <laughs> I have to tell you this. Don't walk out of here thinking I said your behavior doesn't matter. Okay, don't, don't do that. I was just talking about it doesn't matter in terms of his love for you. And you cannot fail. Not even your own behavior is going to make you fail to come into the ultimate glory that Jesus is taking you into. Because if it was dependent on your ability to get yourself there, you're already in a real mess. Okay? Jesus is going to succeed. That's what I'm saying. Okay? But your, your behavior deeply matters on the road from here to there. Okay? Got it? Okay. I just felt like I had to do that. 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. Now, now let's do this, and it's going to lead to an assignment. Okay? You, I love that the kids are back, because they're going to do the assignment too. Um, beholding as in a mirror. Okay, in other words, what? How does the glory of God come on to you? If this doesn't blow your mind, nothing ever will. What it's saying is, is that you're looking in a mirror. What are you looking at when you're looking in a mirror? Reflection of yourself. 
it sounds like heresy until you meditate on it for like an hour or 10. The glory of God is coming on you. What that is saying is when you look in a mirror, okay, let's do this. Do you know that um, God put man in the garden and what did he say? He created us, what? In his image. And then we fell and then Jesus did his thingy, right? And the image of God is restored. Now we're reading in the New Testament and how does the glory of God come on you? Looking in a mirror. Now I want to tell you something. You have to have eyes of revelation. You have to have eyes to see what's going on here. How does the glory of God from one weight of glory to another weight of glory increase on you as looking in a mirror, as looking at yourself? It almost sounds like idolatry, but I'm going to tell you something. It's not. It's God's good plan. He, he wrote you with his image on you. And when the Spirit of God comes in, it's looking in a mirror that the glory of God increases on you. Why? Because you're that good? No, because of his image. You see, you have to agree that you're a new creation. If you stand in a mirror agreeing with the old man, you will loathe what goes on in that experience. Do you know that? And that would be appropriate. <laughs> but after the work of, of grace in your life when he begins to reveal to you that you are a new creation. The glory of God increases in your life as you stand in a mirror. The image of God increases only in faith because there is a warfare that wants to make you agree with the old man, wants to make you feel shame, guilt, wounding, brokenness, bondage of the old man. And what? You got you to flick it off the elbow and then look in the mirror. You have to stand there in the faith of truth. In, what does the word of God say? In obedience to the faith. You stand in the mirror. And we move. We're transformed from glory to glory. We have to be as stubborn as Paul and say, that's not me when we stand in the mirror. I'm not him. You got it? Okay, so here's the assignment. It is going to be painful for most, I bet. Um, sometime today, I want you to go home. How, how long do you want them to do this, Lord? <laughs> three minutes. You'll need to set a timer because three seconds is probably going to feel like three minutes. So set some time, kind of timer. Set your phone. In an, away from you in another room so you hear the alarm go off, three-minute timer, and then I want you to stand in the mirror. Okay, you, you tracking? All right, and then you're going to ask the Holy Spirit, invite the Holy Spirit to come, and ask him to give you a revelation of his image in you as you stand in front of that mirror. Be bold enough, ask him this. Ask him to begin to put to death, to flick off the lie of that old man, that that's part of your new identity, and let him work. You have to look in the eyes. Okay, can you do that? Look in your, your own eyes. They're your own eyes. That shouldn't be that scary. <laughs> You're a new creation. So stand there in the mirror, look in your own eyes, and ask God to give you a deep revelation 
of his glorious image in you. And you will be taking steps to open yourself to greater filling of the Spirit for release of the authority and power for this warfare. Is that good? Is anybody scared? <laughs> it's okay. Don't be scared. It's just your face. The one God gave you. Okay, let me pray for you. Is that okay? Okay. All right, Father God, I, ask, I thank you, first of all, for, that you are a good, good Father that honors us and that you love our face. <laughs> I ask you to help us love our face the way you love our face. Help us honor ourselves as your creation the way you honored us when you created us. We're asking, that's a miracle right there, and we're asking you for a miracle, Lord. I ask that as people stand in this mirror, shame's going to drop off, guilt's going to drop off. I ask, Lord, that you would do a deep inner work, a deep work of the heart, causing us more and more to dissociate from the things of the old man and recognize that that is not who we are today. It's just something we have to crucify and flick off. And Lord, I ask that as they stand in this mirror and they let, they open themselves to your Holy Spirit, that you would, that you would build a great awareness of your identity in them and that they are the restoration of your image in this place. And in this place, I mean in the place of their heart. Father, will you do that? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Does anybody have faith that he's going to do that? And just, do you, if you have faith that he's going to do that when you stand in the mirror, will you just call out amen right now? Amen. amen. Okay. Now we have one more special thing this morning. Um, God um, moved in the heart of one of our, where are you? <laughs> Hi there. Welcome. <laughs> in the heart of one of our most beautiful ones. Um, um, the Spirit of God for the ministry of children is so powerful on this one, it's unbelievable. And he's moved on her heart to, to speak a blessing. So we're in a teaching series on, on authority and power. Um, it may not be something where you go, whoa, the kingdom of God's right there. But the kingdom of God's within us, right? And so I'm just, just, I'm just, you're just going to have to take my word for it. The power of God is here for this. I know because I had a conversation with her and I heard how the Spirit has moved and she's going to speak a blessing on parents. That is, we get to choose. Any parent who wants it, you just, we're just going to ask you to open your hands like this as she, as she speaks a blessing. And the Spirit of God, you know the Word of God says in community, the Spirit of God moves among us. You know that's true about you too? These glories that we're talking about, you impart them. As you interact with each other, you have a glory to impart on the person sitting next to you. Particular anointings, particular glory that's specific to your identity, your calling. You know that's true about you? And it's the way to glory here is unbelievable. It's true about her. And she's going to come. She's probably like, wow, you set me up like that? Thank you. <laughs> but she is going to speak a blessing. So I got to go to this wonderful conference where 
He had to spend four days in God's presence. And one of the things he really laid on my heart yesterday was to bless you parents because something he has taught me from having my own kids and looking at how my parents raised me is when you teach your kids to soak in the Holy Spirit with God and with you, one of the ways they do that is they just are around you while you're soaking in the Holy Spirit. It catches, guys. It stays with you. Um, and as I was praying many times, he kept bringing my own kids' faces to mine and going, I love you that much. They can follow where you're going and do even greater things because they're starting so young. And I want to put that blessing on you parents. And if you have grown kids, it's contagious. <laughs> even if they're walking away, it's contagious. When they're around you and they see the Holy Spirit move in your life, you have a special bond with your kids that it's going to just keep catching like wildfire. So I want to bless you parents that are filled with the Holy Spirit, that it is going to spread to your children. And the Bible tells us, raise up a child in the way they shall go, and in the end, they will not depart from it. So even if they start straying, he's leading them back. He's got that device in their heart that says, hey, I'm here. Do you remember this voice? Whether they're newborns or 55, 85, raise up a child in the way they shall go, and in the end they will not depart from it. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for doing this work in the heart of all the little children, especially the ones that I get to work with in this Sunday school in this church. Thank you that you're moving in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, for all of us who, um, parents or not parents, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Go in the authority and power that we're learning about. You are the most powerful thing on earth. I speak that in Jesus' name. It was God's idea that you'd be filled with the Spirit, that you'd walk in it, and that that power would, His power, would go with you to change the world for His glory. And so go that way in the authority of the name of Jesus. God bless.